Uh, well, you know what's caught, caught me off guard is the tone is different. What like tone? We, we haven't gone through our tone, our voice yet. Our, and one of them is hopefulness. And I know that we will get to hopefulness at the end of this, but it's, it's a with heaviness and we've not started a podcast with heaviness. That's where it's like. So, so start there. Okay. Yeah, you know, we, we tend, everything you've heard, we tend to lead with hope. We got to get real right now, you know, whatever that is. And yep, get real, get, get real fast. Everybody. Welcome to the Third Place Podcast. My name is David Gaines. Mary Allard here with you guys. So this podcast is going to be a little bit different. Mary and I were just talking about oh, the seriousness of uh, what we want to talk about today. And while we still believe in hope and we see where we want to take this is to a hopeful place, almost always we come with this lighthearted approach to conversation and dialogue, but this particular episode needs to begin with some heaviness and we're not used to that. Yeah. Something that I wanted to name is right before we got on to record, I told David, I was like, gosh, I am feeling nervous. And we, I've honestly not felt very nervous to start talking with you all and talking with David because I talk with David every single day. And we even joked the other day that, that the podcast is a bit of just insight into our everyday conversations and our friendship and our working relationship. But I understand the intensity of the time right now and the, and the weight. And I, both David and I want to speak and we want to speak up and that's not always easy. And even though we're people that love to share our opinion and speak right now, I feel nervous because I don't know all the answers and we're going to have a dialogue around a lot of just that. And I feel pretty humbled. Yeah. And honestly that this exact conversation is uh, nearly the entire point of the third place. How do we create safety to have hard conversations um, and how do we create safety for people to to talk through their perspectives and ideals and you know this messy middle of uh, right versus wrong and and everything is not black and white in this world but it's truly a messy gray um, and that's a third place that we refer to often um, a third place you know being a physical place sometimes or or in a podcast like this to have a conversation where we don't know all the answers so um, it also does make sense to to have a conversation because it really is the heart of why we do what we do is empowering other people to have these conversations. Right. But here we are and we wanted to have a voice. And again, we're not experts in this conversation. Um, we've been really wrestling uh, a lot over the last couple of weeks. And I think, I think it's important to even acknowledge like we're both white. We, we are asking questions. We want to change and be a healthy part of change. And we're learning 
where we continuing to learn to see where we have points of privilege that we weren't even aware of. Me being male is another version of privilege that I'm learning about on a regular basis. So that I'd wanted to kind of call that out. Like I'm coming from it from a very white perspective, but I also want to come as a humble learning perspective too. Yeah. Like something that you and I watched the other day, David, from Twitch, um, Twitch is the co-host on Ellen DeGeneres' TV show. And he said something that we both were like, oh, wow, it stuck with us. It was like, you don't have to be racist to be impacted or benefited by it. And I thought that that was so powerful to, to point out that many people are saying, I'm not racist, I'm not racist. But in actuality, there's, there's the, the next layer that we're all pushing. And my mom even told me that we're redefining what the word racism is right now, that that's a part of it. And I was like, of course, we should be re- redefining words or otherwise all of the time. I mean, in my own personal growth, I feel like I'm redefining who I am or how I feel or what I think or who I'm friends with or how I spend my time constantly. So if we could find that new cadence in how we operate collectively, I feel like that's the beauty of what's happening right now. And I always tell people it's like a pendulum that our homeostasis was one way and that homeostasis was a bit out of whack. And in order to, to find the new homeostasis, you have to hit far on the other side of the pendulum, which can feel extreme, but that extremity helps to slowly find a new homeostasis that is a different center and a different way of being. And that's what we're doing right now. We're redefining and I am on board. Yeah. Yeah, one thing that we did in a, a recent episode was talk about how naming things helped. Like with COVID, just for me, naming the word relentless was just a relief and, and uh, weight off my shoulders. And that word has helped me and ground me. I mean, things are still relentless. So I'm like, okay, when is the relentless and it's going to end? But a new word that Twitch mentioned, I was invited to a book study online that I think I'm going to participate in is around this book called How to Be an Anti-Racist. And anti-racist was a word that it had this a similar effect for me where it's like, right, because I keep saying I'm not racist, I'm not racist, especially several years ago is when I really started to unpack points of my privilege. And, and even uh, like a conference that I went to that caused me so much anger that talked about this. And my anger was rooted in like, I'm not racist. Look at all these things. Like, I have my team, I work in coffee, which is completely global and, and so many cultures that it touches. I'm not racist, I'm not racist. That word anti-racist has really helped me because not racist is passive, where anti-racist is um, active. active, yeah. Proactive. Exactly. So that that alone has given me just some new energy around like passive versus active has given me a new way to think about my role in this moment and towards racism. Right, right. And I think that part of what we wanted to touch on though too is that the third place is, we've referred to it as the gray area a bit, but we've been talking about how there's just some things that are just not that gray. And there are just some things that are a little bit more on the edge. Like there 
is some some answers to find on the edge in one or the other but our human nature is so to sit within dualism and we talk about this all the time where it's like okay you're you're a good kid or you're a bad kid or you are this or that you're a republican or a democrat or us versus them you are racist or not racist and i think that it's just it's such human nature and that we've been trained to think in a dualistic way and so it can it can actually dualism can serve maybe in some aspects but that it is much more challenging to sit in the space of gray and in in a spectrum and that's a lot of what i think is being challenged right now is a dualistic way of thinking right yeah, there's like this human evolution that's happening, I think, with in regards to dualism, because it or and dualistic thinking the it definitely plays a role in survival. I mean, when you think about humanity, 10,000 years ago, or whatever, that everything is moving from tribes to now a global human race. And the tribalism is what led to this dualistic, you're either with us or against us. And it was a survival technique. And really, when you think about the way the ways that we learn dualistic thinking, it's still a version of survival. And, and the reason why our brain likes it so much is we're processing so much information so quickly that the brain on the conscious level needs to kind of get through that information fast. So when I meet someone new, are you shorter than me? Or are you taller than me? Are you a different color than race of, than I am? Or are you the same? And, and so that's where stereotyping comes in. And it's just a way to form these labels and it's a survival technique but where we're moving now is we're no longer at a point where we need to survive as a human race and where we need to move towards is this one race of people this this that when any one person hurts we all hurt and it's a much more like i mean we talk about holistic uh, and when the way we talk about it is being one with yourself like and i think that that's a way to fight dualistic thinking, but it's almost like we're now needing to apply holistic thinking, being one to humanity. So it's like a larger human consciousness conversation that we're entering into. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I do love what you say. Like, you know, we do talk that here's this perspective, here's another perspective. And the answer most often is in the middle, but I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, the right answers are not always in the middle. And so while that might be often the case, it's not always the case. And I think when I think of right now, uh, an example would be if you think of everything in the spectrum, on one spectrum, you have love. On another spec end of this, that spectrum, you would have hate. And so if you would say the middle is the right answer, well, the middle would include words like like or tolerant um, and I would very much argue, and I would think most people listening to this podcast would agree that love is the right answer. Um, so it's not in the middle that we're finding that answer. It is on the edge and technically an extreme position, but, but I very much believe in love. Yeah. Yeah. And it does feel like there are some things that are less dualistic and there's less gray area and it just is what it is. And to, to lean into that side of it 
even when you were talking about how you see someone and we're in this like fast processing way. So we're always processing really fast. We're always trying to get through things. I also feel like maybe the timing of everything is that our, we've slowed down a little bit. And I'm wondering if when you slow down, I actually feel personally, I've experienced this, that when you slow down, that creates space. So I feel like quarantine was actually priming us or this pandemic potentially priming us to have space, to have a radical shift. Because without that slowing and without that space, would we have ever even gotten to a place where we could start to recognize that we wanted to create a shift? Right. Yeah, that space, you know, it is a gift. One of the things that I think can really help this conversation is to sit with the other. So if we have the space now to do it, right? To, to sit down with people that we don't understand. I mean, every time I've done it personally or have seen people that have actually formed healthy dialogue and conversations with someone who is very different from them, the humanity does eventually come out. That what we find is not that we have all of these things different from one another, but we actually have way, way more things in common. So to learn from a black friend what their life and perspective is and to sit down and actually have real conversation and let friendship form is a, a fantastic way to learn about the struggles that someone different than you has. But, but then the commonalities within those struggles, like we're all just trying to raise our kids and, and better the next generation. And there's all these other things that show up that we actually have in common. Right. I think what, what we're both trying to do the most of is be an ally and, and be more of in the and space. So we've talked about with, with dualism, it could be like a versus space or an or space. One of the practices that I loved, that I learned from a business consultant a few years ago was when you were having a tough conversation or a conversation with a team or even a brainstorming session, it would be that when someone shared an idea or shared something, instead of saying no and or but or not acknowledging it, it was as simple as saying yes and and acknowledging the the idea that the person had brought forth or the position that they had shared and saying yes it's that and this because everyone's reality is their reality and we're acknowledging it and creating space for it and instead of having living in this or space where things can't coexist it's more of how can we merge those two together and bring to light both. Yeah. Boy, I think you really just uncovered a brand new third place. We've talked about it being a safe place for dialogue. We've talked about how it's this middle gray, but the word and creates a third place where it's not A or B, but it's A and B. And that, that is another third place. Right. And that the A and B can live 
together be in unity and that they both have their time in the sun and right yeah and 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 yeah <laughs> yeah yeah like i think like think about like um it makes me think like a visual for my the way my mind works is like water is h2o yeah but it's but it's it can show up in ice it can show up in liquid or like ice as solid liquid as water and steam as gas so it's one element that shows up in three different ways uh, well the conversation that we're talking about is how do we create equality and i feel like part of the conversation is also recognizing that we're different and different is good like it's not equal versus different it's equal and different and that's actually one of my favorite parts of coffee and food we celebrate cultures all the time like there's a coffee shop that we supply that is uh it's called black coffee and it celebrates african coffees it celebrates a black culture and what i love about that is that i'm invited into that space and i'm welcomed into that space so like the the food analogy is we celebrate culture all the time like when i go to an italian restaurant what am i doing i'm really celebrating the way a people group prepares food and it, i'm invited in and it's shared so the black coffee experience is a place where i get to be invited in and share coffee in a completely different cultural context right right so yeah the and word equal it's not equal versus different it's equal and different and the different it, there's so much beauty in being different also but how do we fight for equality and at the same time yeah so i think that it would be helpful to share some of what i've learned even just in the last week to try to put into motion like little new practices or a new way of thinking or a new way of being. And especially in thinking of like, okay, I want this to be applicable to how people operate their businesses because as a business owner, we have our customers and we have those and they, they pay the bills and there's an element of uh, power that comes from the customer perspective because they come to you. So you are somewhat, you know, you're, you're, you're taking care of them. There's an exchange that's happening. And I found this amazing article from the Harvard Business Journal that published a couple of days ago. And it was talking about how to disagree with someone that was quote unquote more powerful than you. And it was really talking about the dynamic of the, the boss and the employee. And I thought to myself immediately just from the title, this could actually apply to how to disagree with someone that has a perspective that feels like you want to speak up to it or that it's intimidating, or maybe it's a customer and you feel like there's a, there's a, a power dynamic because if you don't have your customers, you may not have your business, right? So I, in reading that, I thought that it was pretty powerful to like get some practical tools around how to have these conversations because I think part of saying no longer I'm not racist, but I am anti-racist is speaking up. It is acknowledging it and it is having those tough conversations like we speak to every single podcast immediately. And um, some of the things that they said was be realistic about your risk. Speaking up is likely far less risk 
than not speaking up. And that by not speaking up, let's say that someone comes in and there's some tension between the customer and the one of your employees and you don't speak up because you're scared of that powerful dynamic and you feel indebted to the customer. And instead, maybe you then lost trust with your staff member because you did not speak up because by not speaking up, that's condoning that behavior. So what if we consider that one of the first layers of this is saying, what if we're realistic about that the risk is far greater right now for us to stay silent and for us to do nothing than for us to do something and be active in what we're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, what we can do is we can uh, attach a link to the article in the show notes. And so people can review it. But I think that that's really a great point. When I think about people who start their business, sometimes people are like, I just don't want to, I don't want to have a boss. I want to be my own boss. What's interesting when you own a bo- your own business, all of a sudden really the customer is your boss. <laughs> and so there's a thousand bosses. But I mean, part of that is standing up and, and, and taking a stand is you get to, you do have power to choose your customers. You can't please a thousand people. So be your truest self in business. And maybe now's a great time we've talked about in the past about your brand voice or your company voice and being clear on that. So that helps you attract your employees. Now might be a time to take a look at that and, and make sure you're holding true to is anti-racist part of your voice or, you know, how do you address inequality within your brand voice? Um, so it can be clear to your customers right away. I think what's hard is when you try to manipulate your customer because you're trying to just to get any sale that you can hmm. and therefore trying to have that thousand customers. Like let's lose that and let's just have 700 ultra loyal customers instead. But the employees, when they see you set that, that example is, is just a critical component as well. And let's be real that if by taking a stand, you r- couldn't, risk losing employees in this process that might have differing opinions. Right. You could definitely lose an employee or you could use, lose a customer. I mean, I mean, the, I think that that's where it's like in back to the survival conversation, like the survival is where we have a natural bias to want to avoid harmful situations. So what could be deemed as harmful is the loss of an employee because that means that you then have to hire and that's a very strenuous process or it could be the loss of a customer and the impact of a lost customer as we all know is tenfold because of how much negative comments or negative situations are shared far greater than than positive ones so it's it's not abnormal and it's fully expected for you know, you to avoid or anyone to avoid a situation that feels threatening. And both of those are very clear threats. So acknowledge that. And then, like I said, be realistic about the risks and what are the risks and weigh those risks and see which one serves the collective far greater. And on many occasions, what I've found when tough conversations happen is from my experience in, you know, when I ran, so I ran a coffee bar for, I guess it was like five years. It was coffee, tea, juice bar. And we had 
conflict on the daily with a custom with customers. But when I would address it full on and be honest and come from a place of a calm place and uh, a sacred place and also not judgmental, but allowing them to, you know, permission to disagree and just come from each other's own perspective. I ended up having the most loyal customers and the most loyal staff members because there was trust that we could go there and still be okay. Mm. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's definitely one of the first principles of third place and creating that safety. What you did was create safety emotionally for your customers. I mean, that's why we wanted to produce this podcast. We wanted to address it head on, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable, but in the very first episode, creating safe place for hard conversations and being okay for levels of disagreement. Well, I mean, don't they always say like, like the customer is always right. I mean, to me, that's a short way of saying like the customer wants to be heard. And like, I think that what we're, if you distill it down, we all just want to be heard. And that's, I want to hear, like, I want to really hear though, not just this superficial listening style in, in authentic leadership training. They talk about you know, there's such a difference between just listening and conscious listening. And sometimes it takes some intense and dramatic action and words and cacophonies and so on and so forth to inspire people to consciously listen. And I think that that's what we're shifting into is conscious listening and what we're both also trying to embody because with conscious listening, you can truly learn. Yeah. So practically speaking, it's not going to be if a customer or if an employee says something that's going to be inappropriate. We know it's going to be when. So one thing that you can do right now is to create that plan and be prepared. Because one of the things that gets our brain into that whole dualistic thinking mentality very quickly is when emotions take over, right? We get into that fight or flight. And so if something is inappropriate and it's not calculated and planned and most importantly, calm in response, immediately the other party's gonna go into a fight or flight. Or you might go into a fight or flight if you don't have this prepared thing. So I think a great practical takeaway would be, so-and-so customer just said this to my employee and it was really inappropriate. What do I do and what is your plan? Yeah, and that, I mean, that speaks to that this is a time for introspection and to do your own work so that you can be so rooted in the way that you operate, that it comes from a pure, calm place, because that's a productive place. And it could even be, okay, you are embarking on a business partnership, and there's tension there that just doesn't sit right. You want to address that tension, and you want to address it in a productive way. Well, when you spend time so much time, mental, physical, spiritual, emotional energy, rooting yourself and grounding yourself in the perspective you hold and the and place that we talked about, it'll just flow out of you. I think of like some of the hardest conversations I've had, I have usually had time to prepare for, where let's say a boss was sort of pushing boundaries with me and I wanted to 
set a boundary, right? And anger comes from a place of wanting to set boundaries. So a lot of what's happening right now is like, we're setting new boundaries. I would spend so much mental space and I would sometimes even like write a script just so I felt like I had things to come back to, to be rooted back in, to come, return to the original point or the original essence or the, uh, the pure space that I was trying to come from. And that served me well in every challenging conversation I had time to prep for. But we're talking about right now, there's not time to prep. So you want to be able to have that preparedness when it just comes up because it's not if, it's when. At the end of the day, setting the example, if you own this business, I, again, so many people that own community-minded businesses, I'm sure that you're already wrestling with creating conversations. These are the topics that you're resonating with, but living your best example our best life and using your life as an example to live is going to be really helpful. And that will speak way more clearly to your customers and to your employees. So that holistic integrated ideal of love, you know, how do you continue to push into that? And if there's adjustments that you make in your belief system, how do you acknowledge that? How do you acknowledge where you started? Do you come from points of privilege or not? And calling it out, uh, I think are things that can be really good in terms of setting an example. Right. Just like name, like we always say, just naming it and being humble with it. I think even in those conversations coming from a humble space can be so impactful because from my experience, when I feel humbled by something, I actually feel like the other party is receptive and just earlier today, I had, a, I had to have an uncomfortable call with a partner that is definitely in a position of power where we won't get our goods produced for one of my clients and the goods won't get produced and in the time that we need to and we will run out of all inventory. And what I had to do was come from a place of, can you break this down for me? And immediately in starting from a place of being humbled and saying, you know something I don't know. I want to know what you know. I also know some things you may not know, but I want to first lead with the fact that you have something I want to learn and I want to absorb. It disarmed the conversation entirely. And we walked away from this conversation feeling more confident of our working relationship than I have in the last few months, just from coming from a place of feeling humbled and naming that I did not know something. Yeah. You know what you, you did, and it's, it's another word that has come up often for me over the last week, is you became allies with that person. All of a sudden you became on the same team. And I think that word ally, like how can you be an ally for your staff? How can you be an ally for your customers? How can you be an ally for your community? And where the word carries so much weight today, how do you be an ally for those that are in the margins, who are without, who are being hurt? Like, how do you be an ally? And if we can align ourselves and show that we're all on the same team and we can live that example, there's so much power there. Like you said in your example, that was very practical. All of a sudden, 
you were able to talk through it and, and realize that you were working together and learn so much from each other. I think that sometimes I've confused that being an ally means that I need to empathize with people, which means that I need to take on their experience and understand their experience. And I've actually started to shift in the last couple of days or maybe even a couple of hours that empathizing and being an empathetic person has been something I've been very, very proud of. But I've realized that right now I don't want to negate or distract from someone else's experience by empathizing too much that sometimes it is not mine to own but it is mine to own how their experience has impacted my experience and vice versa and what's more powerful sometimes than empathizing because that cannot always be good for the party that's trying to empathize either it's like why why always take on what's happening around you why not instead try to understand it and try to hold space for it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely intention. It feels like passive versus active again. One of my coworkers and I were talking about this and, and I made the statement and I think it's true. One of the things that breaks my heart is that as a society, I think we've lost how to empathize. So I do think that empathy is really great quality and something you should be proud of. But it also is a little bit of a posture of passiveness where ally is much more active. It's kind of like the, I'm not racist versus I'm anti-racist. Right. So being that ally is much more active. It's taking that stand with someone, even if you don't, even if you can't empathize with them, you're still, you can still be that ally with that person. Right, because trying to empathize with, let's say it's a, a, a black woman my same age, also a mother, but she is black and I am white, I can't empathize. Right. I mean, truly, I cannot empathize, right? right? I can sympathize, but it, it's just been, it's been interesting to me to, to think about that word empathy and how I've felt like it's been such a, such a gift, but also realizing that I don't need to assign my emotions around how the collective grief right now and the collective intensity is impacting me. This is my opportunity to, to hold space. And this is my opportunity to educate myself as much as possible. And this is my opportunity to take ownership over my experience and to then do what I can to do my own work so that I'm prepared in those conversations and to also be prepared as a mother to teach my three-year-old son who's white to be able to understand why he thinks the way that he does and, and help him navigate a way to think that is more in the flow of where the pendulum is trying to find its new homeostasis. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, obviously, again, a heavy conversation, but like, that word ally in so many pieces of this conversation do still bring me so much hope. I think we have an amazing opportunity to see real changes happen. We're seeing real changes happen right in front of our eyes. And Mary, I, I think that one of the biggest opportunities is exactly where you're at in life and, and mine too, as parents, like we get to invest into a generation that teaches allyship from from a very young age that teaches healthy racial 
dialogue from a very young age and my work and around the ideas of social enterprise like i so i get so excited and ramped up with hope when i interact with the students that are in college today because they believe in different ways of doing business and 10 20 years from now they're going to be leading us and i i can't wait and i think that this is just another thing that they get to tackle and wrestle with and and there's really uh the start of some new a new age where we can see equal and different as being really good. Uh, there's a quote I want to read, but do you have any kind of final comments or thoughts? Something again to refer to and that I heard was that it's, it's less about saying the exact perfect thing right now. And it's more about just saying something and so I just wanted to express my gratitude to our audience and also to the human race right now to allow David and I a platform to just say anything and the, uh, that it's humbling to say anything, that it's terrifying. And I want to be able to not say the right thing and, and feel like that's okay because I'd rather say something than nothing. Right. Yeah, I was on a call last week and and they were like so many people started out 2020 like this the 2019 was horrible but 2020 is the year of vision and there was so much hope and excitement and the reality is the first part of this year so far has been very very heavy and and i in that moment was like you know sometimes the clarity comes from the pain and so maybe 2020 is that year of vision but we still needed to uncover so many issues to really see what needed to be addressed. So maybe it is, it's still a year of vision, but we had to go to a darker place to, to even see what needed to be addressed. I would love to end with a quote that I, I thought because this year has been so heavy, uh, again, it, it acknowledges the heaviness, but also ends with hope. This is from Sonia Renee Taylor. And she says, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequality, exhaustion, depletion, extraction. We should not long to return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. Oh, I love that quote the thing that sticks out to imagine a new garment. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, thank you for your support of this podcast so far. We are planning to make a brief announcement. We have had a lot of really great feedback on our podcast and Mary and I have been starting to get into a rhythm of what this looks like and we wanted to bring you up to speed with just what you can expect from us. We're going to take a couple weeks off, but moving forward, our podcast is something that you can expect to be published every other Tuesday. Um, I would imagine we'll take some breaks from that, but we'll, we'll be clear with that. But generally speaking, we're, our, our podcast will be every other Tuesday. We've had a lot of really great feedback. And again, thank you for your words of encouragement. And people are asking how we can be supportive. And obviously by listening, you're giving us already one of your greatest gifts, your time. And so again, huge thank you for giving us that. We're just humbled to be in this space with you and to lead some conversations. And we want to be able to have those 
conversations with you. At this point, the, the dialogue has been one directional. So we created a website. It's just thirdplacepodcast.com. And we'd love to have you check that out. In addition to the podcast, you can find some of these resources that we refer to or links. That's a great way to support us. Uh, we have a third place podcast Instagram and Facebook page. If you follow us there, we can share things like that quote that we just read more in real time and engage in dialogue in that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, just from the bottom of our hearts, a huge thank you for supporting us. You're giving us the greatest gift of listening of your time. If you can share the podcast with your family or friends, anyone that they, you think may be interested. And then of course, like and comment on on all of the platforms that we just laid out we would be extremely grateful and honored yes so again thank you for this topic and by listening to our dialogue is a version of being active right so creating that space for difficult topics is just amazing and we're just so humbled to be here with you all right be well everyone